Okay, so now in my introductory comments there in my prayer, I was really struggling not to say some of the stuff I really want to say to you. But okay, so now now I can let it go, okay? So we can talk about it. So okay, so the first three sermons we talked about trust and obey. And trust and obey is still important. Okay, that's not the first step. That is a continual step. You continue to trust and obey all along, all along the, the steps of your life. And then we talked about firefall. We talked about how, how, how God sent, sent fire that looked like a little short prayer that Elijah prayed, but there was so much more behind it that was there. And when the fire fell and, and, and God ate up the sacrifice, consumed it with the fire, you know, I, I see that as symbolic of salvation. Because it's like, it's like what God does with us is he accepts the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in your life. Jesus died for your sins. And so it's like the fire falls into your life and begins burning up all those sins, all that junk, all that past and all the mistakes and all, it's just burning that up and saying, I accept you back. And we talked about the stones too. Remember how they symbolize this acceptance into the family? Okay, you, you need to go back to the podcast and listen to that message if you missed that one, okay? Because he, he, he's, he's saying that also. So salvation is that first step with us. And salvation is the greatest miracle there can be. But many Christians never experience another miracle beyond salvation. And I wonder, as I was, I was standing, we were standing there singing just a few moments ago, the great I am. And I, I wondered how many of us standing here, yeah, we can talk about God being great and forgiving our sins, but I wonder how many of us are saying, oh, he's, he's the great I am in everything. I wonder how many of you, because I know many, many Christians never experience Another miracle beyond that great, I'm not saying salvation is not, salvation is the most awesome, but God's got other things he wants to do in your life. He's got other great, awesome miracles and works and steps and things that he wants to bring into your life. And if you're not experiencing those yet, then, then, then listen, to, listen to what God's saying to you in, in, in this sermon series specifically. Listen to it because God really, he really wants you to have this. This isn't just me hoping you'll get it. This is God says, I provided it, and I'm ready to put it into your hands. But most never get there. Most never receive anything else. But Elijah did, you remember? Because then Elijah, in last week's sermon, then he prayed seven times and rain fell. And here's the big deal about this, this rainfall. And when the rain fell is because he was the one that prayed the prayer or spoke the word and prophesied that God would shut up the heavens and for over three years it had not rained. And so then he prayed and rain fell. A torrential downpour fell because he prayed. And this is where we kind of picked up the story where we ended last week with our scripture in 1 Kings chapter 19. Uh, I'm sorry, chapter 18, verse 46. And the power of the Lord came on Elijah as, as it's beginning to rain. The power of the Lord came on Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt. I know that sounds really weird, doesn't it? Tucking his cloak into his belt. Okay, but, but imagine, you know, you know how they dressed back in those days. You, you, you've seen the movies, right? You know? <laughs> and they dress like with robes and things. So what they do is they reach and they grab their robes and they stick it into their belt. So if you ever hear that term, what they're doing, it basically almost makes their robe turn into shorts. So what they're doing, they're getting ready to run. And so he, he tucks his cloak into his belt and he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Now, if you didn't read the verse verses right before this, the verse right before this. If you didn't read this, or if you didn't already know the story, you wouldn't think very much about that, that he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Because Ahab's a king, you know, and he probably didn't get a whole lot of 
exercise. And he's a king, so he probably ate a little too much, right? I mean, he was always feasting and dining. He was probably a little overweight. So for Elijah to outrun Ahab wouldn't have been a big deal unless you remember that Ahab was riding in a chariot. And so that Elijah was out running Ahab's chariot all the way down the mountain. Now that's amazing. Okay, so here's where we pick up the story. So Elijah has seen firefall. First of all, he's seen the heavens shut up at his prophecy. Then he's seen firefall. Now he's seen rainfall. Now the spirit of the Lord comes on him, power of the Lord, and gives him the supernatural power. I mean, he outruns Ahab's chariot. I'm ready to see what's next, aren't you? And I, and I think that's the way we all get in our lives is, is, is we begin to see some things or we come to church and we, we hear, you know, maybe the pastor shares something about some miracle that happened in somebody's life. Or maybe you're talking to someone back there, you know, as you're getting your coffee and, and, and you find out something that has happened in their life. Or maybe you see someone's post on Facebook and you see these things happening and it's like, wow, I, I want to see something else happen and I, I want to see some things happen in my life. So that's, that's where I'm at. Is that where you are? Let's see what's next, okay? So now we jump over into chapter 19 and, and ver, beginning verse 1. What's next? Now Ahab told Jezebel, okay, now, now Ahab, he went home and told his, told his wife, okay? Because, I mean, if you, you read the story of Ahab and Jezebel, you'll see Ahab was impacted, okay? And so he went home and he told his wife. He told on Elijah. Goes home and tells Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all of the false prophets. Okay, don't have time to get into this. This was last week's sermon. If you missed it, you need to listen to it because these are not prophets of God. These were false prophets, okay? And they were doing evil, vile, horrible things. And to how, how Elijah had had all the prophets killed with the sword, the false prophets. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. See, here, here's another time where we see that Ahab's impact, Jezebel's really the one that's really steering things because Ahab, all he did is he got in his chair and he ran, he, he just hurried down the mountain before the rain got there. And he goes in and tells his wife on Elijah, he hadn't done anything but hear, hear Jezebel. So, well, let me tell you, you send word to Elijah. You let Elijah know, may the gods deal with me ever so severely if I don't make your life just like one of these false prophets that you killed earlier today. And so you know what Elijah, what does Elijah do? Oh, this next verse, he's got to be throwing his shoulders back saying, and say, the God who shut up the heavens at my word and the God who rained down fire and ate up even the stones and the God who rained, rained this rain that is going and coming down today. That's got to be what he's saying next, right? No, that's not what he says next. Verse, uh, the end of verse, it says, uh, now uh, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. This, 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 this is the guy who has called down fire out of heaven prayed down rain out of heaven, shut up the heaven so it wouldn't rain. All these things have happened. And at the word of a woman, he wrote, the man who outran a chariot is now running from a woman. Okay, well, yeah, she was a queen and she did have power. But he was serving a God that had already proven how many times that he was more powerful than this woman who was threatening his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. Elijah, it's almost like Elijah has forgotten everything that has happened over the last three and a half years. 
It's like he's forgotten what has happened in the last 24 hours. Like he forgot what had just, what had just happened with the rain and with the fire and, and, that, and that God was doing this in his word. It's like he, he's just forgotten. But here's the question is what have we forgotten? What have you forgotten today? What have you failed to remember that, that God has done in your past, the amazing and the awesome thing that he did this week? I mean, every single day, I, I, really, you know, I, I don't have uh, you know, every day in my life I don't have a prophet show up at my door and say, today, and speak something over me. But every single day, I look and I see the miracles of God that are truly in my life. They aren't necessarily the fire falling out of the sky and, and, and rain pouring down at my, at my prayer, but every single day, there are awesome miracles that are happening in my life, and some of them are happening in your life. And the more you fail to recognize and acknowledge them, and give credit where credit is due, the more space that you'll find beginning to come in between those miracles as they begin to spread themselves out and they get fewer and fewer and more rare in your life. Don't ever forget the miracle working power that's already happening in your life. Look at what's already happened and just think, now if, if I really, really, really start trusting and obeying, what could God do? Look back and think about all that he's done. If I, man, if I, just, if I just really got serious about just praying, and it doesn't mean you got to pray nine hours a day. It, just, it means you got to be in a constant state of prayer. It means you got to start talking to God and listening back from him and, and hearing those. What would happen if I really got serious about, about just talking to God every day that I live, all day long, and, and he and I were communing? What, what would really happen? It's, don't forget the things that have happened, and here's the reason why, is so that you can look into tomorrow and say, because this has happened, then I know that this can happen. See, that's, that's where Elijah's at. He's forgotten, and so now he's got a threat on his life. And instead of looking back to see what God has done, he's looking forward into a future that he doesn't know anything about. And he says, oh my, what if God leaves me today? God's not left him ever. Why in the world would it even be a doubt? What if God doesn't show up in the middle of this? Why would God leave him in this day if he hadn't left him in those other days? He needs, he needs to remember. And it takes Elijah a while. It takes Elijah a lot. You're going to see in the next few verses, you're going to see, man, God just has to keep hammering Elijah, hammering at him because he, he, it's like he won't remember. Sometimes I just wonder, what is it going to take? Come on, little brother, little sister or older brother and older sister, whoever you are, what's it going to take? What do I have to say to remind you that you aren't serving a God like the, the prophets of Baal served who, is, who goes to sleep in the winter days of your life? You're not serving a God like that. You're serving a God that every day that you wake up, he has the same power that he had yesterday. And tomorrow when you wake up, he'll have that same power again. Everything that you need, he's already provided for. Yeah, go ahead, let's do that. Let's give him a hand of praise that he, he is God. He is the great I am. Don't forget, what's it gonna take? How, how many texts am I gonna have to send you? How, how many, how many Post. How many, if I want to come to your house and remind you, come on. What's it going to take for you to wake up and remember again that you serve the great I am? Let's look a little bit at Elijah, Elijah here and how, what it took for him. Going on to the end of the verse four, he says, I've had enough, Lord. 
And he says there at the end, he says, take my life, da-da-da-da-da. But he says, I've had enough, Lord. Really? Elijah, you've had enough? Oh, my goodness. I think, you know, sometimes we see, we see some, something in our life happen and we think, man, that was awesome. God, you're just so wonderful. You understand? He is the God that created the universe. There is nothing that is too hard for him. And so whatever you've seen of him do in the past, you're just barely beginning to, to scrape the surface of what God can do. Now we don't need to say, I've had enough. I'm tired of this. I'm done. We don't need to be given up. Now's the time to dig in and say, God, now what can you do today? Whose life can you change today? Whose marriage can you save today? Whose kid that is, that is lost and, and, and the family doesn't even know? Who, whose kid can you bring, to, bring back to their family today? What good, what amazing, what miraculous work can you do today? But, but Elijah, he's like, he's like done. I'm giving up. I, 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 I've just had enough. And I'm like, oh, Elijah, can we just see a little? Elijah, believe in God just a little bit longer. Let us see some more. And I pray that over some of you guys. You know, I see some good stuff happening. But then I see some of you saying, oh, well, you know, it's just getting tired. It's just getting hard. I'm saying, no, believe in God just a little bit longer because the most awesome hasn't even happened yet. Oh, I know you think firefall and rainfall. You think, you think those things, outrunning a chair, you think those are amazing, but hang on to God because God's got even more. What, so, so name some of the things. Just, I mean, what could you think of that you could name and, that as God has done in your life? And let me just tell you, believe a little longer because the most amazing has yet to happen yet. No, the most amazing that you have seen in your past is not the most amazing that God wants to do in your life. So hang on here. Let's go on. Verse five. And here we got a little bit of story here. Let's read together. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. And all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around there by his head with some baked bread over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. All right, catch this now. He, he's run out here in the middle of the wilderness. And he just wants to die. And God said, I'm not gonna let you die. And God provides him a meal. Now I know if you look at it and say, well, it's bread and water. That sounds like stuff you have in prison, right? He was in the wilderness. Bread and water is pretty good when you're in the wilderness. Bread and water's pretty good when you ain't got anything. And bread and water's pretty good when you don't have to cook it. Right, ladies? If you don't have to, if you're, you know, bread, and look, it's fresh bread. I mean, it's just been baked. I mean, that's, that is the best. I mean, what else could there be? He gets fresh bread and water that is baked and is given to him. God has provided for him. One more time, you remember? Early in the story in Trust and Obey, you remember? God sends him to the, the Kareth Ravine. You remember God sends him to Zarephath? You remember God is providing for him bread and water? And now here, it's like a reminder. Oh, wow, wait a minute. Here I am in the wilderness. I'm ready to give up. And God has sent me bread and water. It's not just, it's not just that I have. It's what it is that God is reminding me. He's always taking care of me. And here again, he's doing it again. Just this little bit, the little whatever you're feeling right now today and remembering, it's, it's just a reminder of, of, of what God can and, and wants to do in, in your life. But the angel, he, he laid back down, he's going back to sleep. The angel, the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat. The journey's too much for you, uh-oh. Now, that's where some of us check out, right? That was one of the things I told you that I had really, had really dealt with the previous week preparing last week's sermon is that we don't like to hear things like that. The journey is too much for you. What he's saying is the journey is too much for you in your, in your strength right now. Get strong. Buff up. Spiritually speaking, get strong. 
because there's a journey ahead of you. And some people hear that like, oh man, I gotta take a long journey. And some people realize that God is taking me somewhere. Somewhere I gotta go that there's an amazing thing at the end of this journey. Heroes don't hear this, they hear this. They hear that God's about to send me, so I'm about to do something amazing. I was ready to give up and quit and die. And God says, no, I'm sending you somewhere amazing today. I'm saying, and this journey is a long way from here. Here's what he's saying. Those of you who are in dry and barren places, he said, your miracle ain't nowhere near here. I'm taking you somewhere that is so far from the wilderness. Oh, somebody ought to say, mm-mm, thank God. I'm taking you somewhere, God is saying, so far from the barrenness of your life. I'm taking you somewhere that is so far from the loneliness of your life. I'm taking you someplace. That's what he's saying. He said, the journey from here to your miracle is so long. And he says, you aren't strong enough to do it yet. So he says, eat and drink. And so he got up and he ate and drank. And strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb or Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And so, this is, so for 40 days and 40 nights he traveled, and the way this reads, most scholars say the way this reads is that he didn't eat anything else for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, you'd say, well, that, that's just impossible. No, you can fast that long. I mean, people have done it, okay? But this was saying that he went on the strength of that, that, that this, was, this was not just normal bread and water, but God says, I'm doing something amazing in your life. You see, when you, when you begin to look and you begin to count and say, this miracle that, that I'm wanting is too far out there, or this need that I have in my life, it's too far out there, or this dream that God, it's too far out there, understand that the dream God gives you, he will also give you the strength to travel all the way from here to there to get to that dream. And he, he, he also has the power to make that happen, but he will give you the strength to hang on from here to there. Just hang on. And just believe a little bit longer. Verse 9. There he went into a cave on Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai. And he spent the night and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, wait a minute. Didn't he get sent there? Well, no, the word of God didn't say he got sent there. Angel didn't say go to Sinai. Why did Elijah go to Sinai? Because that was the mountain of God. It was a place where Moses met God. And so when Elijah's thinking... I got to hear from God. That's what he realized. And so he, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights just to get to a place where he could hear God. You know, I told you in, in the second sermon of this series that there is purpose in delay. And sometimes what we do with our life, we get ourselves in such a shape that it takes God 40 days just to get us to a place where he can talk to us. That's why I say learn to trust and obey so you don't lose that trust and obey. Hang on to this. Keep, once you start it, keep doing it so you don't get in that place where God says, okay, now you've run into the wilderness. Man, it's going to take me a long time to get you back over here where I can talk to you and you can hear me. Don't lose that. Once you get to that place where you begin hearing God speak and, and you begin sensing his, the leading of his spirit, don't ever lose that. Hang on to that with everything that you've got. Hang on to it so that you don't ever get to that place so far away from the awesome and amazing of what he wants to do in your life. Don't ever lose it. What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah says, now, 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 now listen to these words real good, okay? Because you're gonna hear them again in a few minutes. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. And so he's just like, 
There's nothing left, God. We all need affirmation. I mean, we need affirmation. And I, I, no doubt Elijah's probably standing there thinking, well, everybody worship you, God, but nobody acknowledged that I was the one that did it. And God, not that I'm trying to take any glory, God, but you know, God, they could have at least said, Elijah, you were right. The God that you told us to, we need to keep following, you were right. They could have at least, they could have at least acknowledged my ministry. Come on, anybody ever felt that way? I mean, you felt like you did something nice for somebody and nobody even paid attention. Can I remind you of something? What God says is all that matters. You see, because you're going to have a lot of people in your life that are going to, they're going to pour negative stuff into your life. Whether they say it out loud or they just pour it into your life by their actions. They won't let you do something. They won't, they won't allow you to be a part of their life. They won't allow this or that. And they, they build walls. And not just walls around themselves, they build walls around you because you're trying to do so, and they won't let and you. And you just get to these places. And, and, and so they pour this negative into your life and, and you, you have negative spoken into your life. You have people tell you you're not worth anything. You'll grow up and you won't be worth a thing. Nobody will ever give you a job. You're lazy. You're, you know, whatever. You're ugly. You're, you know, nobody will ever marry you. Whatever it is, you have people speak these negative, ugly things into your life. But what God says is all that matters. Because you're also, not just, not just the negative that is spoken, but the lack of the positive. Because we all need affirmation. And, and we all get to the place, and, and I think probably more than anything, is we have more days without positive affirmation than we have with it. And so we get to these places where we're just like wondering if anybody's even noticing that I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to help you. I'm, I'm trying to pray for you. I'm trying to lift you up. I'm trying to encourage you. And nobody's even paying attention, God. I mean, God, I'm, I, they're all out there tearing your altars down. I alone am, am doing these. And nobody's even paying attention, God. So we got a, we've got this lack of positive affirmation. But you just remember when nobody is telling you you're doing a good job, you remember that God, when he, when he burned up the sin in your life, just like at the, at the altar that Elijah built, when he burned up the sin in your life, he was saying, I have accepted you and you're part of the family. You belong to me. And, and that is more affirmation than you will ever get out of a man or a woman in this world is that the God that created your soul and all of the universe says you belong to him. What God says is all that matters. Would somebody help me there and just say amen? Yeah, yeah. that's all that matters. And if you don't get satisfied with that, you will always be looking for somebody else to fulfill you. And that's why people are looking for love in all the wrong places. The old song said, right? Looking for affirmation in all the wrong places. Looking for fulfillment in all the wrong, why? Because because the only thing that can truly satisfy this that is in me, that is hurting, that is lost, that is empty, that is, that is the only thing that can is him. And when I, when I accept that, that that is all I need, then all those little bits of affirmation that come every once in a while, those are just gravy. You know, when somebody does say, good job, that's just the gravy on top because I'm already confident in who I am because I am his. But when I get satisfied with him telling me that I am his and that's enough, then those little pieces of affirmation, they're just the gravy. And those negative things that are said and poured into me, those just bounce right off. Because if God says I'm somebody, there ain't nobody else that can tell me I'm not. That's all that matters. 
Back to the story, verse 11. The Lord said, get out. Stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now somebody is important when they speak of themselves in third person, aren't they? Yeah, I, I just noticed that. I said, did I read that wrong? You know, this week when I was reading it again, I've preached from here a bunch of times, but God's speaking of himself in the third person. It's like, get out cause the Lord. He could have just said I. But he's saying, let me, let me remind you who I am. I am the Lord. I'm not a Lord, I am the Lord. And the Lord's about to speak. So get out and listen. And so now what he does is God sends three of the most powerful forces of the nature that God created, he sends them by Elijah. He sends wind, a big whirlwind, and just blows and blows. He sends the wind. The word of God says, but God wasn't in the wind. Let me say that a little bit different because some of y'all need to hear this. The wind is not God. See, sometimes we get so excited about the wind, we forget the wind isn't God. The wind is a manifestation of God. If I walk by you fast enough and close enough, you'll feel a little bit of wind off of me on you. The wind wasn't me. That was just, if you had your eyes closed and you felt that, you realize, oh wait, somebody just went by me. The wind is not me. In the same way, the wind is not God. And sometimes, especially if you were raised in traditional Pentecost, you, you kind of sometimes embrace, come on. We can embrace the wind so much we forget about the God of the wind. The wind ain't God. The wind is just a manifestation of God. You need to get this. And not just you Pentecostals are raised like me, okay? But, but every one of you need to get this. Then he sent the earthquake. The earth began to shake underneath him. But God wasn't in the earthquake. Let me, let me say it another way, the other way. The earth shaking, the shaking is not God. It is a manifestation of God. Word of God talks about a day that is coming in the future that when Jesus Christ steps on the Mount of Olives, that the Mount of Olives is going to shake and is going to split underneath his feet. I can imagine if God showed up right here in all of his glory, we better hit the doors because this, this building is probably coming down. Because of the power of who he is and his presence, there is going to be a shaking. But the shaking is not God. And then there came a fire. A fire that blew, that blew in. A fire came by him. And no doubt he felt the heat because this was a real fire. This was not a spiritual fire. From, every, from everything we can see here, this is a real fire. And it's in these next verses that we're skipping over right here. But you, you've got them. You know, I mean, they're right after this. And the fire happened, but God wasn't in the fire is what scripture said, but let me say it the other way. The fire is not God. Sometimes we can chase the fire to the point where we neglect God and we neglect who he is. God doesn't want us chasing his attributes. God doesn't want us chasing his love. God doesn't want us chasing his peace. God doesn't want us chasing his hands with all the miracles that are there. God wants us chasing him. He doesn't want us chasing the wind that is, that is the symbol of his presence. We realize he just went by. He doesn't want us chasing the earth shaking and like shaking all of our lives. God is bigger than the wind. He is greater than the shaking. He is more powerful than the fire. And here's why this is important to you. is because every wind that blows in your life 
And every shaking that shakes your life and every fire that burns through your life is not of God. And that's why you need to realize I've got a God that is bigger than the wind. And so when I feel his, the wind of him going by me like his wind, say, thank God that was him. But when I feel another wind, I say, but that ain't him. He is greater than the wind that is blowing in my life and trying to destroy and trying to tear down and trying to, just, trying to, uh, to uncreate everything that he has created in my life. And when the, when the world is shaking, anybody, oh, you don't have to raise your hand. I know you do. Because you're telling me your, your life is shaking. Your world is shaking every single week, some of you. It's like a, it's like a new earth earthquake happens in your life and it's like I just can't get anything settled because of a shaking but see you need to you need to embrace the fact that God is not the earthquake and the earthquake is not God God is greater than the earthquake therefore when the quaking happens in your life all week long you can say but that ain't that ain't anything more strong than I've, I've already got something that is greater than the earthquake that is stronger than the earthquake and like the fire fires happen in our life things that destroy and consume and sometimes it's not good and when that happens when things are stolen from from you and taken out of your life and destroyed and consumed and, and, and you know even the blessings of God it looks like and listen it happens sometimes the blessings of God are robbed from us by Satan people around us just destroy the blessings of God. and when that happens you need to have already accepted the fact that the fire is not God that God is greater so when that happens you can say but my God is greater than this fire that is just poured into my life amen Little smattering there, that's good, little smattering. We're getting it, I hope that means we're listening, we're not asleep. That he is greater than all that. He's bigger than the manifestations. When we make him the manifestations, we make him so small. When we make him the manifestations, then all we got, all that's gotta happen is the power to go off. We can't sing songs anymore. We can't sing songs, we can't feel. And then the power being off is bigger than the power that we say created this universe. We can't make the manifestations greater. I, 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 I just need to, I need to go on because I got to hurry. I want to preach there for another half hour. Verse 12 and 13, after the fire came a gentle whisper. So God sends these three most powerful forces of the nature that he created. And now there's a whisper. Just a whisper. Just a whisper. You wanted more, didn't you? No doubt Elijah did too. We all do. We want more. Remember how I began this sermon series? Remember we were talking about that and said, sometimes you just need some fire to fall, right? <laughs> but just a whisper. Just a little voice. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then the still small voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? You need to learn to listen. If you're ever going to be able to trust and obey, then you've got to listen. If you're going to be able to trust God, then you've got to be able to hear what his will is, what his word says. If you're going to be able to obey him, then you've got to be able to hear what he is saying. You've got to learn to listen. And today, man, we don't know how to listen. We don't really want to listen. You know, I, one of the things I struggle with at small group, I really try to get discussion going. Now, one of the things I struggle with is not, you know, just not commanding all the conversation because I just got so much in me that wants to come out, you know. And, 
One of the other things is, I don't want to waste any time, and so if nobody's talking for a couple of seconds, I want to jump in and say something else, but sometimes I just need to stop a minute because somebody's listening and hearing, saying, you're getting in the scene, they're developing something they need to say, and so sometimes we need to stop and listen. The same way with God, we need to just stop and listen, but we, we, we don't have time for that. Look at this next verse, verse 14. What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Wait, did, did, Kelly, you didn't go backwards, did you? Isn't this the same verse we just read a few minutes ago? But it's about three verses down. I mean, this, this, this is exactly the same thing he's already... Elijah's just playing a tape recorder now, isn't he? God, you ain't, you ain't heard me yet. Do you ever do this with God and feel like God hadn't heard you yet? It's like you just played a tape recorder of the same complaints that you've always had. God heard you the first time. As a matter of fact, he heard your thoughts before you said them with your words. He already knows. You don't have to tell him that again. What are you doing here, Elijah? God, the first time he said it, you know, he's out in the middle of the wilderness. And Elijah said, oh, you know, all this blah, 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 whatever. And so now he gets up and he runs to the side. I'm going to go hear from God. And then God says, okay, Elijah, I'm here, but why are you here, Elijah? He said, blah, 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 blah. Wait a minute. I thought you came to here to hear me, God could have said. But instead, I'm here, obviously, to hear your complaints. The fire can't fall every day. You need to understand that. The earth won't shake every day under the power of God in your life. The rain won't be fall. There'll be days you have to walk through barrenness and dryness. So, well, that's not fair. My God's not a God of dryness and barrenness. No, but there are a lot of people he wants you to reach that are out there in that. And one, the only way to get to them is to walk through that to get to them. Two, the only way that you can really minister to them is, so that, is for you to be able to tell them about the God in the middle of the wilderness and the God in the middle of the barrenness, and the God when there is no fire falling, and the God when there is no earth shaking, that there is a God that is still powerful, and even whether these things are happening or not. But what we like, we, we, we like, come on, don't we? We like the busyness. Who, who, am, I, who am I preaching to right now? We gotta be busy, right? I mean, Five seconds goes by and nobody said anything. Got the smartphone out. Man, we're either texting or reading somebody's Facebook page or Snapchat or taking a picture or playing a game or something, right? We got to be busy. We love the busyness. We love the excitement. We love the crowds. We like the fire to fall. We like to go. I've got a friend. He told me years ago, he said, my, my sister is addicted to adrenaline. He told me that when she first started coming to the church that I was pastoring. And I thought, well, that's stupid. But after I watched her for just a little while, I agreed with him. She was addicted to adrenaline. She had to have something going all the time. And I wonder if sometimes we do that because we don't want to hear what God's got to say. And maybe we just get in the habit of it because it's a lot easier too. Is God just show up and do it for us, but I'm going to play this game a little bit longer right now. God, just, you just do whatever it is you want to do, God. Just uh, somehow send, send me a text in a little bit, God. We like the busyness. We like the noise. We like the, we like the crowds. We like the excitement. We like the adrenaline. We like the feeling. We like the fire to fall. We like the song to sing, man, and just make us jump. And, you know, and when it just don't, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, the worship team was off a little bit today. 
You know, well, pastor, you know, he just, he must, he must just been busy this week. He just didn't get with God very much. It's like, we, we, it's like, oh man, well, we'll find some way to get through anyway, pastor, even though your sermon wasn't up to par. We'll find a way to get through sometimes. Man, I have felt that from people before. So, whoo, tough crowd. And then I realized at some point, and I've had to remember this a bunch of times. I'm not saying I got it once and I've held on to it and I might forget it again. But I'm not preaching for the crowd. I'm preaching because of my relationship with him. I got to share with you what's in my heart today. And all of you who are hungry and all of you who are dry and all of you who need your miracle and all of you who are saying, yeah, all I've ever gotten was salvation. It's wonderful. But is there something else? I'm telling you, yeah, there's something else. There's more to him. There's more miracles in, in your life, more things that he has already written. He's already written your history that has not happened yet. He's already written and he's ready to do something amazing in your life. And, and, and all I can do is, is all I can do that because we like the excitement. But look at what happens here. On the other side of the wind, on the other side of the shaking, on the other side of the fire, on the other side of the noise, on the other side of the clutter, on the other side of the busyness, on the other side of all of this, all of this stuff that we sometimes think is worshiping God or, or, or we think is, is our walk with God or, or, or we think is our devotion with God. On the other side of all that, there is a still small voice. There is a quietness and God says, I am still here. Hear this. When the crowds are gone, he's still there. Well, somebody, somebody needs to get that. Thank God. You know, you know how we do funerals, right? We mourn with everybody until we put the body in the ground. We mourn with the family until the body's in the ground. Then we forget about them, right? And then the family has to walk those next few weeks and months all by themselves. You listen to me. When the crowds are gone, God is still here. When it doesn't feel like it felt on Sunday morning when that song, man, great I am, when it doesn't feel like that, God is still here. When I don't sense that rain is coming and I smell, I hear the voice of an abundance of rain. When I don't know that rain is coming, God is still here. See, here, here's the message for us today is that we have to settle it once and for all in our mind that whether the rain is falling or the fire is falling or not, it doesn't matter, God is still God. And the danger with, the danger with us who believe that, that there is something beyond salvation is that we will get into, get into times and periods of, of, of the awesome of what God is doing and then, we'll, then, then when those things begin to slip away, we'll think, oh, something is wrong with us because, because you know, it doesn't feel like that. You need to settle in your mind once and for all that God's power, his presence and who he is does not rely on how many people are around you does not rely on anybody, if, if nobody else is praying, if nobody else is serving, if nobody else is doing right in the house except you, he is still God. You know, those of you who are single today, you, you need to get this because you have more peer pressure than anybody, than anybody else in Christianity and you need to, that if nobody else is doing what they need to be doing, keep doing it because God is still God. You single parents who don't, have, who don't have somebody standing with you and believing with you and praying with you, you need to get this. 
you need to get it. So in those tough days, you can still walk, you can still stand, you can still fight, you can still believe. You need to get it. Is that when nobody else is standing with me and I have to carry this burden all by myself, he is still there. Those of you who are married to unbelieving spouses and you're the only one who's following after God and they're, they're not coming to church, they're not praying, they're not seeking after him, you need to get it. That if nobody else does, if I am the only one in my household, the only one at work, the only one at school, the only one anywhere that I go, I still have to maintain because God is still there and helping me fight all of my battles. Let me run through these four verses, last verses of scripture right real quick. Here's what God says to him. He says, go back the way you came. Oh, I'd love to preach here a little while. I wish I had the voice of Medea. Y'all know Medea? You know those movies? Tyler Perry, Medea. I wish I had the voice of Medea, you know, because I, I, I see this as like a mom. I, I think the way they said it back in those days is different than the way you and I would say it. It's like, get back where you belong. You know, now you didn't need to say that in Medea's voice, right? Get back where I told you to be. That's what God's saying. What, okay, he's asking twice. Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah ought to get the point. You are not in the place you are supposed to. You're not in the place I have called you to be. He says, get back where I called you to be. He says, go right back from where you came. Just turn yourself right around. Now, you've heard your mom say that, haven't you? Turn yourself right around, go back out on that porch and wipe your shoes off before you come back in that door. Turn yourself right around, go out there and you close that door right and don't slam it anymore. Turn yourself right around and you go clean up that room. You've heard that, right? That's what God's saying. It's turn yourself right around and get back where you know where I called you to be because you experienced all of this. And, and as soon as the fire was gone, as soon as the rain was gone, and as soon as somebody threatened your life, now you're off in the wilderness. So God says, get back where you're supposed to be. Because the first thing he says there is he says, when you get there, anoint Hazael, king of, over Aram. Hazael is going to be the next king. God tells Elijah first, he says, I'm not done with you. Get back and you anoint the next king of it. Even though he's not king yet, you go prophesy that he's going to be the next king. And also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. He's not king yet, but he's going to be. And he says, I'm not done with you yet, Elijah. Get back there and you tell everybody. You anoint and you prophesy he's going to be the next king. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphath, from, from Abel Mahola to, to succeed you as prophet. He said, Elijah, you ain't done until you have set up your successor. There is a next generation following after you, Elijah, and he doesn't need to see you out here in the wilderness whining over yourself. He doesn't need to see you up here in, in the mountain of God saying, God, there's nobody but me. No, I've, got a, I've already got your successor picked out, so I do have another one, Elijah, and his name is Elijah. He's ready to follow you. You go anoint him and tell him he's going to be, he's going to be the one that is going to follow in your footsteps. There is another generation. So listen to me. Listen to me. Those of you, you need to hear this. It's when, when, you, when you start getting a little low and start getting a little down, shake yourself and say, wait a minute, somebody else is watching me, and I can't let them see me give up like this. And I'm not just talking about 70-year-olds. I'm talking about 25-year-olds. It's got 20-year-olds watching you. 20-year-olds has got 16-year-olds watching you. Said, you need to realize that there is another generation following along behind you, and you're blazing the, blazing the trail. You are, you are going before them. You're making the way. You're preparing the things so that they have something to step into tomorrow. And look at this last verse, verse 18. He says, yet I have reserved. So remember how Elijah keeps saying I'm the only one? Three times I think he said it so far. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, God says, all whose knees they have not bowed to the idol bell and they have not kissed 
his, the statue, like uh, there's probably something like maybe he had a ring and they kissed his ring or, or might have even kissed his feet or something. But God says, I have 7,000 reserved in Israel. Do you hear what God's saying? He says, I've got 7,000 that I've reserved and they have not bowed yet. I am about to turn them loose, Elijah. I need you back out of the wilderness. I need you down off this mountain. I need you to get back where you were called to be because you aren't done yet because I got 7,000 that are ready to go forth as, a, as an army and they're waiting, waiting just for somebody. They're waiting for the prophet to show up again and say, wait a minute, God isn't done yet. The rain and the fire falling was just the beginning. What God is wanting to do is more amazing tomorrow than it was yesterday. This is, there's an army around you, so when you get tired and you get weary and you think you're all by yourself, you remember that God is still there, but you also remember that God has reserved an army. Look around you, there's the army. And it's not just in this room today, many that can't be here today, but many other churches that are filled with his army today. We are not alone. God is, God is bringing his wisdom and his, his will and his word and his prophecies and promises. He's bringing them to pass through this army. Would you please join me at the front this morning? Do me this favor. If you're a first time attender, let me just say, we, we like to close around front with a final prayer and a final song. And we'd love to have you join us this morning, if you will. We, we won't do anything to embarrass you. We'd just like to have you join us if you feel comfortable. I think it'd be interesting to do a do a, a survey of my sermon series sometimes and see if the last one is always the longest because I just says I don't get to come back next week on this. It's like I just can I get five more minutes with you, five more I got, I got five more things to say or whatever. Y'all going through some stuff, aren't you? You don't have to say amen. Wouldn't be nice, but you don't have to say amen. You going through some stuff. Oh, and God wants, man, God, God doesn't want you to just feel better about it. He wants, you, he wants you to walk head and shoulder. He wants you to walk straight. He wants you to walk with your arm, your shoulders thrown back saying, I know, I know the God that I serve is the God who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask or think. That's, that's a lot because I can ask and think for a lot of stuff. And he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or think. That's a lot. And he wants to do it. And he, he's, he will do it in, in, in some of your lives. I wish I could say he's going to do it in all of your lives, but I don't know if all of you are going to do it. I don't know if all of you are going to trust and obey. And seek him. Pray. Please do. Man, I want to see it happen in your life. One changed life is not just about salvation. One changed life is about seeing the miracles and the dreams of God begin happening, pop, 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 pop in all of your lives. It's going to happen, but it's not going to happen because of rain or fire or earth shakings or things like that. It's going to happen because of his will and his word. So what do we need to do? We need to hear his word so we can understand what his will is so we can trust it and obey it bow your head with me